You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. A very happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Uh, I'm assuming you might be driving on your way to wherever you're going for Thanksgiving for this fine day. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the game preview edition for the Chiefs. And there is. We decided to get it out a little bit early. So any of you that you know are going to be driving around uh, you know, here and there uh, for your Thanksgiving plans, might have something to listen to. Uh, here to help me talk and preview... Uh, this uh, this Chiefs Raiders game, this pivotal Chiefs AFC West matchup. First, my dear pal, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie, what are you looking forward to most most for Thanksgiving? Well, first of all, you lured me back onto this podcast, telling me we were going to talk about the draft again. So I am a little disappointed. <laughs> I'm sorry if I sound like I'm down in the dumps today, but I thought we were going to start diving into the underclassmen today. So no. As far as what I'm looking for most about Thanksgiving is um, sleeping. I've gone through a lot of travel this past uh, week. I have been to Kansas City, back home for a day or two, then I'm heading down to South Carolina next. So a lot of travel. I'm ready to go to sleep. I'm ready to have, you know, maybe somebody else want to watch like a child or two for a second while I go to sleep. <laughs> maybe get a little bit of rest. But uh, as far as food goes, I'm looking forward to any pie that is not pumpkin because pumpkin-flavored stuff is trash. Cheeks. Absolute cheeks. Craig, our third friend, Craig Stout, the Renaissance man. Find him on Twitter at BarleyHop. Maybe getting Kahlo, Kalo Phoenix back here pretty soon. Twitter is removing a bunch of inactive accounts. How are you doing today, bud? Welcome, everybody, to the Akeem Davis Gaither podcast. My name is Craig Stout. I'll be your host. Oh, oh, I guess we're, oh. we're going to. We're going to talk about the crappy Raiders today instead of my new favorite linebacker in this class that I just watched this weekend, and I'm so sad that I didn't watch him before our draft podcast last <laughs> week because I seriously would have spent an hour and a half just talking about him. He's so fun. But we've we have all, the Raiders we, this week. We've all watched this guy now, too. Because I, I wouldn't shut up about Akeem him. Akeem Davis yeah. Bather. I mean, <laughs> oh my goodness. So I, I love just him. Sorry. Appalachian State's last game of the season is in fact not at home, or I was going to invite you out for a short jaunt up there to watch them live. But alas, on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, they play on the road. So, although Friday, everybody Friday, tune in. Appalachian State at Troy. Watch your future Chiefs (laughs) linebacker. 215-pound linebacker. We've got a lot to cover on both sides of the ball. Uh, Offense and defense, that's how we do it. Uh, And we'll just start with the offense. And I think the first thing we need to talk about is Tyree Kill because uh, it came out late. Obviously, he missed um, the tr- most of the Chargers game, was only on the field for seven snaps. The Chiefs still have not been capable of putting their full, healthy offense on the field 
for more than 13 plays this year. I'm not bitter, but uh, you know Tyreek Hill, he obviously is a pretty critical piece to this thing, and I think you saw in his absence, and I think you saw in his absence specifically in Mexico City, how valuable he is to this football team and how valuable he's going to be against you know teams like the New England Patriots. Um, Maddie, how concerned are you about Tyreek Hill, and can the Chiefs do anything without him? I'm not overly concerned about Tyreek Hill. I think the injury, as much as we've heard, it seems like it was a little bit more minor. I think he's going to be ready to back. He's going to be ready to play. It seems like if it was up to him, he would have tried to sneak back into the game. It was probably field conditions combined with the way the game flow was going that he didn't get put back out there, and they just wanted to be sure. But as far as being worried, if Tyreek Hill does get injured again, I think we've seen it now. We've seen enough games to say the Chiefs without Tyreek Hill are not near as dangerous as they need to be to be the kind of Super Bowl caliber team that we want. The receivers outside Tyreek Hill are not a problem, but they have not been good enough to do what the Chiefs try to do on offense. There is a very clear path to stopping the Chiefs if Tyreek Hill is hurt. The Chiefs need him to be healthy. We get to see him come back. We get to see him play with Pat. We're all expecting great things like we almost always get out of him. But he does have to be healthy for this team to go all the way. Because if not, you're going to get a lot of man coverage and a lot of Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson just kind of letting you down. Guys, I'm about to say something that I, I wouldn't think I'd say because I've been watching a lot of Raiders tape over the past 24, 48 hours I'm here. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's been kind of gross. But <laughs> John Gruden, John Gruden's significantly better at scheming guys open than Andy Reid has been this year. It's embarrassing. Shut up. No, he has done well getting Hunter Renfro wide open and in space to have him make plays. Andy Reid has not been able to do that as well this year. Just watching the past few games for the Raiders, not the Jets game, obviously. That was terrible, awful all around. But the previous few games before that against bad competition, they were struggling to get open a little bit. They adjusted and were able to get guys open in the secondary. I... I want to see more of that of Andy Reid. I have to see more of it because right now it just feels like everything's so close to the vest and he's just relying on his playmakers to get open one way or another by themselves. He's got to be better at scheming guys open. Okay, uh, Eric Fisher. Uh, he was back against uh, against the Los Angeles Chargers in Mexico City. He was not good. He was really bad. This is probably the worst performance I've ever seen out of him. The good news is, guys, he didn't step onto Patrick LeVon Mahomes' ankle. So there is an improvement there. But it was it was an awful, awful game back for uh, for Eric Fisher. Really just struggled in both facets of the game, run and pass. I, it just did not look like you know he had – he didn't look healthy. I mean, flat out didn't look healthy. Maddie, are you expecting him to be better? Are you worried about Eric Fisher at this point? Well, I would like to thank you for putting yourself last on the rundown and then taking all of my material off the rip. <laughs> now, I, I had my joke queued up that the best thing Eric Fisher did was when he lost, he just let Patrick Mahomes get hit and didn't step on his ankles in the process. But that well, joke is now going to fall flat. So I would like to congratulate you. Oh, my gosh, Maddie. That was a great joke. Oh, my, that's so funny, my friend. Oh, I'm dying. That was You really hit me hard there. That was good. Sorry. Oh, 
<laughs> Please continue with your football. That points. will not be reciprocated. I remember later, that by the way. sarcasm. I will remember that sarcasm. But yeah, Eric Fisher was terrible. It was practically like Cam Irving was back out there. That was more or less what you got. But it's his first game back. He was playing against excellent edge defenders. You could tell that he didn't look good. He looked very out of shape. I'm sure that it felt miserable for him trying to have his first game back, playing all those reps up in that altitude. I would expect him with the week off of rest and getting back into the flow of practice to look a lot better this week. He's going up against Cleveland Farrell, maybe a little Deion Jordan, some Max Crosby who is coming on super strong right now. Like It's not a great pass rush, but it's definitely formidable. It's a lot better than it was last year. So Eric Fisher, this is a better game to get back into the groove of things. I know Max Crosby is kind of the darling of the world right now. Dial it back a little bit. He's beaten some not great offensive tackles. He's had some longer rushes that have resulted in sacks. If he does beat Eric Fisher like a drum, if Eric Fisher struggles against this group like he did last week against or two weeks ago against the Chargers, then you start to get worried. But as it stands, I would expect Eric Fisher to be just as good as he has been in the years past against the Raiders. He's still working back in the shape, so don't freak out if he gets beat once or twice, but you aren't going to see what you saw last week out of him. Yeah, last week was bad footing, uh, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. I mean, that's it, it, just not a good recipe for success for him. I The key is this week. The key is seeing him with this extra week of rest. I, I do think that the Chiefs basically couldn't trot Cam Irving out there against Bosa and Ingram. They had to have oh somebody gosh. out there. Even if he was bad, he might have been better than Cam Irving. So they needed to get him out there this extra week of rest, getting him ready for a Raiders pass rush that isn't as good. I I expect to see a much improved Eric Fisher this week. Eric bet he Eric Fisher looked like a wastebender the entire game. Mm-hmm. Like everything was just stiff and upright, and I, it was rough. And I think it's good that he got out there, and it's good that he's, um, you know, he got a week off, and now, you know, that kind of back into the swing of things. I'm expecting better things out of him. Maddie, I won't even jump into any jokes here, just in case. You wanted to talk about the Raiders, linebackers, and safeties. Yeah. Can you guys name me any Raiders safety or linebacker that is going to be playing this week? Uh... uh that's a, exactly that no that's what we're working with here we know they have carl joseph <laughs> he's hurt he's not playing i think the next most commonly known guy is going to be fontes perfect oh he's not playing either maybe Lamar. oh they drafted a guy in the first round this year mr oh, salman yeah. mr salman john abrams. abrams yeah also not playing finally oh. lamarcus joiner big offseason signing not only has he been terrible for the raiders especially against the chiefs earlier year he hasn't played the last two weeks. So now the Raiders are rolling out here with Tahir Whitehead and Nicholas Morrow playing linebacker. Yeah, they've played all year for him, but there's a reason you still don't know their name despite playing nearly every snap for the Raiders this season. Their <laughs> safeties are an Eric Harris and DJ Swanger's back from being cut by the Cardinals stacked defense and a Curtis <laughs> Riley. I don't know if he's related to John C. Riley. Maybe he might play football like it. I'm not sure. I hope so. <laughs> So essentially, this is what we're talking about. We just become best friends. The middle of the field of the Raiders defense has not been good for years now. Travis Kelsey notoriously destroyed the Raiders. I think every tight end in the NFL notoriously destroyed the Raiders for years. They've tried to fix it. It just simply hasn't worked out. And now they're riddled with injuries up the middle of the field. Tyreek Hill, 
Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, if he even gets going a little bit, the middle of the field is going to be open for the taking short, intermediate, deep. I would expect the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes to attack the middle of the field over and over again, and that's an area of the field that Mahomes has been brilliant throwing to besides against the Chargers two weeks ago. But otherwise, in his career, he's been excellent there. I expect the Chiefs to attack the middle of the field over and over again this week. Travis Kelsey, in week two against the Raiders, went for seven catches for 107 yards and a touchdown. And still he wasn't was the leading a, receiver on the team. And still wasn't the <laughs> leading receiver on the team. He was a monster, though. And that was playing on a baseball field in the middle of the field with rough footing. They get to come back to Arrowhead. They get to abuse these guys a lot more. And that's what Carl Joseph was playing in that game. And Carl Joseph was actually looking pretty decent for a lot of that. I I just don't think that there's anything for the Chiefs to worry about up the middle of the field. I think it's there for the taking all game long. I, I look for them to exploit it. Yeah, I do too. And I, I know one of the safeties was some kind of really good comeback story where he was like in the AAF or something or the Arena League or the Canadian Football League. I think it was Eric Harris. So good for him. Um, I don't think the story continues well for you this week, my friend. But best of luck putting up with John Gruden and Paul Gunther. Uh, okay, players to watch. Craig, who you who you watching this week? This week, I am watching the Chiefs' right guard, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. He is going to go up against some pretty strong defenders on the interior. When they played in Week 2, I actually singled out Austin Ryder against Jonathan Hankins and Maurice Hurst. Uh, as the year's gone along, they both look very good on the interior, as well as P.J. Hall. Laurent Dufresne-Tardif is going to see plenty of those guys as well. He's been pretty bad this year. He needs to win up front against those guys because I do think that the Chiefs' cat tackles can handle that exterior rush of Cleveland Farrell, of Max Crosby. I think that they can handle that a little bit better than the Chiefs' interior can handle those interior rushers. So if he has a big game, the Chiefs could be in for a big day. My player to watch is going to be a bit of a surprise. I don't think most people are going to keep their eyes on him, but it's going to be uh, Patrick LaVon Mahomes, and we oh. don't usually do that for this section, but there's a reason here. Patrick Mahomes is an afterthought to much of the football national media world right now. He kind of had his chance to have his MVP resurgence last week against the Chargers in prime time. Cook, Maddie. Everyone's watching. It was there. He didn't quite fulfill that. He had his worst game, pretty much, statistically speaking, as a chief in the National Football League. He gets a bye week. Patrick Mahomes is one of the most competitive people on the planet, much like most NFL players, but it's another level for him. I don't think he did anything but spend this entire time off trying to get better, improving. He's moving well. He's looking like the Patrick Mahomes of last year more and more each week. This is the week it all comes back together. Off of bye week, Andy Reid might actually give him some help by trying to scheme some receivers open, get a little bit wow. better protection. <sighs> Patrick Mahomes is going to come out firing. That MVP moment we thought that was happening last week, It's not. it didn't happen against the Chargers. It's coming out against the Raiders. He's going over 400 yards again. He is going to light them up, up and down the field. It won't be close. You can mark that down right now. We ain't scared. We ain't scared of claiming blowouts. Not not on this show. For me, it's Sam, for me, it's Sam Watkins, and I I don't know when the last time we talked about Sammy Watkins. It was probably last week. I'm begging Sammy Watkins to show a pulse. This has to be the week. 
You're coming off of a bye week. You're into the home stretch. It was so much fun to watch you week one. You show spurts of explosiveness, but you're so inconsistent up and down. You're just so up and down all the time, Sam. Let's 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 have a good game this week and let's see if we can sustain a little bit of success in the home stretch because this football team needs you if they want to do the things that they're trying to do especially with a big game coming up against the New England Patriots in 2 weeks. We're going to take a break. We'll be back to talk about the defensive side of the football right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're talking about the defense or the offense of the Oakland Raiders and the defense of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think we've got to start with the trio of talented players. The list might stop at these three for the Raiders. (laughs) It does. It does. The trio of offensive weapons, Josh Jacobs, Tyrell Williams, and Darren Waller. uh, Those three are good football players, and they're a good football player at every level of the defense, essentially. Josh Jacobs has just grown by leaps and bounds as the year has gone along. In week two, he was good against the Chiefs, but they didn't really force feed him the ball. Uh, The Raiders kind of went down huge in the second quarter, and they completely abandoned the run game. Tyrell Williams got drawn. Bashad Breland at Breland asked for him. And they didn't really offer Breland much safety help, so he got his. And Darren Waller beat up on Darren Lee and Damian Wilson. Guys, that's going to be significantly different this week. Josh Jacobs is going to shoulder much more of the load. I fully expect the Chiefs to play split safeties like they have in recent weeks. And I expect the Chiefs to put a safety on Darren Waller all game long. I just think that this matchup and the things that we saw these three do in the first game, while they're still talented players, is going to be completely different this week because the Chiefs have just drastically changed the way that they played defense. Looking at those three guys, I know Tyrell Williams started off the season with a bang. He kind of lit the Chiefs up. I mean, he had a touchdown in, what, five straight games roughly to start the year? He's since gone without a touchdown since that stretch. He hasn't cracked 100 yards since the first week of the season. I think teams kind of are starting to figure out who Tyrell Williams is, which is a very good player, but he's kind of one-dimensional. He did get, get Bashad Breland a few times that first matchup, but the Chiefs were still trying to figure things out. As the game went on, he slowed down as well. So I think Tyrell Williams as a number one wide receiver doesn't scare me. His speed over the top of Ward or Breland is still going to be an issue, but the quarterback has to get the ball there, and we're going to get there eventually. No one trusts that to happen. Oh, we'll get there. Josh Jacobs is the only person that scares me, but he's a running back, and just running the ball doesn't matter. Run the ball all you want. Unless you're going to pick up 9, 10 yards of carry, it's simply not going to matter, and only one team consistently does that in the NFL, and unless the Raiders all of a sudden turned into Lamar Jackson-led Baltimore Ravens, I'm not too scared of that. Josh Jacobs is phenomenal. He's probably going to give the Chiefs fits in the passing game and the running game. I just don't think it's going to be enough to really make a dent when that's kind of the biggest threat you're worried about. 
I'm worried about Darren Waller a little bit. Uh, I'm worried about all three of these guys, but I think Darren Waller's trying to come on a little bit more. I think he's getting his feet underneath him a little bit more and more as this thing goes on. Um, Tyrell Williams, I think, as a vertical threat, I think that's what scares me. Uh, you know, big plays. If the Chiefs limit the explosive plays for the Raiders, they're going to be just fine. Okay, we need to talk about Derek Carr. Uh, and I have been known around here the last three or four weeks as Rant Swanson. It, you know, if I get emotional, if I get my blood pressure rising about things like Cam Irving or Kirk Cousins or Cam Irving, you know, I, I, I'm not going to go there tonight. It's Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm, I'm in the mood. I'm, I'm in the giving This guy's mood. ranting about not ranting. I'm, 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 I'm calm. I'm calmer than you are. I'm calmer than you are. I uh, I thought I would maybe just be a little generous and hand some L's to the Carr brothers, all three of them. De- Derek for his football, David for his media career, uh, and Darren for trying to fight with Jamal Adams on Twitter. So I'm taking off the rant hat. I'm putting on the roast hat. I've crafted some jokes. I've workshopped them. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is there's no way this ends bad. I'm gonna try to keep this short, much like Derek Carr's average depth of target. Boom roasted. Uh, I'm surprised the Carr <laughs> brothers all weren't offensive linemen. The only thing all three of these guys are good at is blocking. It's a Twitter joke, people. Boom roasted. Uh, hey, what's more accurate, Derek Carr and Arrowhead, or David predicting the AFC West race? Boom roasted. Uh, hey, Craig, did you know that 95% of Bob's sativity actually just came from Derek Carr? Boom. Roasted. Derek, David, and Darren. Somehow, a show hosted by Guy Fieri is the second worst triple D I know of. The funny thing is, Guy Fieri's a Raiders fan? Well, guess what, Guy? Patrick LeVon Mahomes is the new mayor of Flavortown. Boom. Roasted. Uh, David Carr isn't a betting man, but if he was, he'd be broke from picking his brother to win the MVP. Boom, roasted. I'm glad these guys can't search. I'm glad you can't search for names on podcasts, because if you could, we'd get three one-star reviews from usernames for YPA, Broke Carr, and Jamal Adams Jr. Boom, roasted. Anyways, uh, Maddie, please continue with your Derek Carr analysis. Dude, one thing that we learned from this entire thing is that Rant Swanson is definitely the Derek Carr of roasting. <laughs> End Derek Carr analysis. Okay, so the defensive guy is going to bring the Derek Carr analysis. Um, Derek Carr sucks. <laughs> he is <laughs> awful. I I don't know if you guys watched that Jets game. He absolutely crumpled under the Jets pass rush. He did not look good trying to get the ball out. He's he's just really bad. And funnily enough, he's worse when it's cold. From from Trey Wingo oh. and Coach Del Rio. This was on Twitter today. And games where the temperature is under 40 degrees at kickoff. Derek Carr is 0-4. He has 152 passing yards a game, 51 completion percentage, a 3-4 to TD to interception ratio, <laughs> and a 9 
total QBR. He is straight garbage, and Arrowhead's going to be 39 degrees for the high on Sunday. Also, he's 0-5 at Arrowhead. Craig, he you, is. me, Maddie, the chair I'm sitting on, my car, and the bag of potato chips in my kitchen all have as many wins as Derek Carr has in Arrowhead. Derek Carr stinks. He is bad at football. I had a sleeves joke in there because he didn't wear sleeves all of Hard Knocks. It was a good one. You guys are I'm welcome. I'm saving it because it was a long. It was more long removed. form. You're very welcome. <laughs> I were, I kind of told them that one before it. So I did want to add, you know, a little bit. Craig kind of gave us a real breakdown, so I was going to add a little bit more. He didn't treat the whole Derek Carr situation as a joke like Derek Carr is, so we are going to give some real analysis here. Hey! Derek Carr, when everything's going perfect, when he gets a receiver wide open, when his protection is very good and he can sit there, you know, look all big and strong and throw the three-yard pass that he wants to throw, he's very accurate. If you, Even if you get a Waller running a nice little corner route and he's wide open, Derek Carr can put the ball where it needs to go. As soon as anything doesn't go according to plan, Derek Carr is awful. He is not good when he has to just ad-lib and play off the cuff. He is not good when he has to move and then reset his feet and throw. He's not good just moving. He is not good at playing quarterback when things aren't perfect. As long as the Chiefs pass rush can provide a little bit of pressure, as long as the coverage can just be remotely close to the receivers that are within five yards of the line of scrimmage, Derek Carr isn't going to do anything against you. Unfortunately for Derek Carr, his offensive line does not block as well as the Carr brothers do on Twitter. There's another one. Uh, Frank Clark had probably his best game as a Kansas City Chief last week against the Los Angeles Chargers. And uh, I think we're all kind of checking to see if we're going to get that same Frank Clark coming off the bye week, maybe a little bit healthier. It seems like he's starting to get healthier, right, Craig? Yeah, he looks better. Like we said in the previous couple podcasts, he's not leaning on the speed moves as much anymore. He's starting to win with power a little more. We know Colton Miller struggles to handle that. We've seen all the clips online of Frank Clark dominating him last year. I am very curious to see that. But not only are we seeing Frank Clark with more power, Frank Clark does some of his best work in December and January. I said a few weeks ago that I don't really care about sacks right now. I care about sacks in January. Well, looking at December and January sacks, Frank Clark, over the course of his career, has averaged .73 sacks a game in December and January. To put that into perspective, because I know that that's you know, kind of tough by comparison here, Khalil Mack leads everybody with .86 sacks a game. Justin Houston is second with .77 sacks a game. That includes some of the outrageous finishes that he had earlier in his career, like when he racked up the 22-sack seasons. He went on a tear at the end of that season in December and really boosted those numbers. Joey Bosa is level with Frank Clark. And then after that, the rest of the guys that get paid this 90 to $100 million, or maybe you're expected to get that, Trey Flowers is 0.59, Von Miller 0.54, Yannick Ngakwe at 0.47, and Demarcus Lawrence 0.43. I'm sorry for butchering his name. <laughs> that made my but, day. <laughs> yeah. 
But these guys are, you know, kind of known as closers, some of the premier pass rushers. In December and January, that's when Frank Clark really kind of shows up the most, and that's when they need him to show up the most. I'm very curious with some bad offensive lines coming up here, if we just see that ratcheted up a little bit more and we start seeing the Frank Clark that this Chiefs team really, you know, kind of paid for and traded for. Craig kind of hinted out at the beginning there. This is a good game to really look at how Frank Clark's progressing in terms of getting healthy this year because last year, Frank Clark beat Colton Miller one of the worst games I've ever seen from an offensive tackle. He made Cam Irving in any game this year playing left tackle look serviceable. He made Eric Fisher's game look all right by comparison to what Frank Clark did to Colton Miller last year. And the first matchup this year, Colton Miller for the most part held his own against Frank Clark. Now, Miller has been a lot better this year than he was as a rookie. There's actually been a ton of strides in his ability as an offensive tackle this year. He's still not good. He still has major flaws in his game, but he's at least getting to where he's a low-end average left tackle right now where it stands. Frank Clark should come out, and he should have another good game. He should come out and beat up Colton Miller like he has in the past as long as the Chiefs are really allowing him to rush the passer. They didn't do that as much in the first meeting. They asked him to do a lot of other stuff. But if they let him pin his ears back, especially if the Chiefs get a good lead, you get Frank Clark isolated on Colton Miller. It should be game over if he's playing like he was last year or his last game against the Chargers. I'm excited to see him healthier. I like watching healthy Frank Clark. I love his power moves. I like his hand usage. That's a lot better than just speed rush, speed rush, spin, spin, speed rush that we got to start the year. Probably should have hinted at us a little sooner that something may have been wrong, but he looks like he's coming around now. This is a great game to gauge it because, like I said, Colton Miller, Frank Clark should go Frank Clark's way far more often than it did the first meeting. I think, you know, Frank's been hot for, I mean, was it five sacks in the last four games, Craig? It's uh, is it five in the last four? Or is it four in the last three? I, I can't don't remember know. Off the top of my Something, head, he's getting hotter. He's just yeah. he's starting to pick up some speed, some steam a little bit. So, um, you know, I, I I expect you know a week off. You know, Colton Miller, who is he is getting better. I I do agree with that, Maddie. But you know, Derek Carr's terrified. So I mean, it might you might you might not see a sack, but. D- Frank Clark will be his presence will be felt because Derek's just afraid to throw you know he's just he's afraid to hold on the football more than you know 0.5 seconds which is why every throws in the flat but um you know I I expect Frank Clark to continue to do what he's been doing and and I I'm really excited about that because you want him peaking at the right time and I think he's kind of starting to shut some people up about their takes on him okay players to watch Craig who are we looking at on defense well since you know, Derek Carr doesn't throw the ball farther than four yards. I'm picking the deep safety, Juan <laughs> Thornhill. Listen, uh, Derek Carr, I think, is going to have to take a couple shots. He did in no. in that <laughs> he did in that week two game. Uh, later in the game, when they needed to score, he did take a couple, held onto the ball a little longer, and tried to get the ball downfield. It did not work for him. Juan Thornhill has been getting better slowly but surely throughout the course of this year. I know that everybody remembers him against Derrick Henry, which is a matchup that he's always going to lose. But 
I expect to see Juan Thornhill uh, able to kind of drive on everything underneath some of these shorter passes. We've seen him do really, really well, kind of run in the alley there against a bubble screen to blow it up. I want more of that out of Juan Thornhill this week. He's not going to have to really respect the vertical routes quite as much, but when he does, Derek Carr is going to loft those things up just nice and pretty for him to go up and get. My guy to watch is going to be Anthony Hitchens. I think we've talked about it a little bit. Derek Carr's not going to go deep that much, in my opinion. It's just not in his blood. He doesn't do it. It's going to be cold. He's going to be even more scared than usual. <laughs> the Raiders are going to try to lean on Josh Jacobs like they've been doing lately, who's been fantastic behind an offensive line that's been blocking relatively well. The defensive line, the linebackers, they're going to have to bring their A game. Not only are they going to be the guys stopping Josh Jacobs. They're going to be the guys trying to defend the short passes, get out against the screens, the swing passes, all those little things. The leader of that linebacker group is Anthony Hitchens. He's been playing better this year, especially as the year's gone on, but he still has his shortcomings. I think this is a week where you need the good Anthony Hitchens. You need the Anthony Hitchens that's blowing up gaps. You need the guy that's trying to shoot through some of these rushing lanes rather than the Anthony Hitchens that plays a little passive and sits back and lets blockers reach him. Because we know he doesn't have great range. You've got to see him being aggressive. If he comes out and is aggressive, I think that changes the tone of this game. But if he's going to sit back on his heels and let blockers climb to him and get behind on the play, it could be a long day for the Chiefs' run D or even their, their short passing defense. For me, it's Kendall Fuller. And I'm not sure if I used him last week or not. But Kendall Fuller didn't play last week. And Kendall Fuller hasn't played in what feels like months this Chiefs cornerback group has to get better with who's in the building. Kendall Fuller's in the building. And I don't know if Kendall... It's one of his best traits. It's, the, best, <laughs> the best ability is availability, Craig. And that ability has not been there for Kendall Fuller lately. I, um, I don't know if Kendall Fuller would have played that dig, that... F option, whatever you want to call Adam Humphreys did to Rashad Fenton uh, two weeks ago. But we might find out in the near future. We would have found out if, if Hunter Renfro had been playing. Well, who are we kidding? The ball, they wouldn't have tried to throw that far down the field with Derek Carr. But uh, I, I think Kendall Fuller, you know, he's he's coming back from the from the injury. I would anticipate you're going to see him this week. If, he, if you don't, then you might as well just give up on him and just shoot him into the sun. But um, if, if they can get anything out of Kendall Fuller in this home stretch, that would be massive for this football team. They need any help that they can get. Uh, he's, he's not been good, and, and I think he's been a major disappointment, as we talked about, I think, earlier la or last week. He's been a disappointment this season. I thought we were going to get built more out of him, and we just haven't. Kendall Fuller, I'm begging you, show a pulse this week show a pulse the rest of the season because this football team needs you to be better all right let's go to the predictions craig give us give us your score prediction my score prediction for this week is going to be a big chiefs win uh <laughs> the raiders have not really gotten much better since the last time that these two teams played josh jacobs is better I think overall, though, they are worse due to injuries, due to just, you know, lack of real progression. It's the Josh Jacobs show. Meanwhile, the Chiefs, 
particularly on defense, are a much better defense than they were when they were still trying to learn Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. The personnel is significantly different. They really tried, you know, multiple things to try and stop what all these teams have tried to do so far over the past, you know, 10 weeks since these teams played. I think the Chiefs defense is better. I think they can tee off and stop Josh Jacobs. I'm going with Chiefs 31, Raiders 13. I'm not afraid to pick a blowout. I already told you, Patrick Mahomes is going over 400 yards this week. The Raiders, they're not going to stop the Chiefs. The only person that's scary on the Raiders' defense is a guy that is kicked out of the league for the rest of the year. (laughs) So, Chiefs, 34. Raiders get 17 points because we feel bad for them. There's no mercy rule in the NFL. Well, guys, you know the the rule here on this show is, you know, we're not all three allowed to pick blowouts because – Bad things happen when we when we all pick pick blowouts and we talk about how big of a blowout is going to be. I'm not picking a blowout th- today. I'm picking a close one. I'm picking a close one. Uh, the Chiefs are going to score 40 points. Patrick Levon Mahomes is going to throw five touchdowns. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a very enjoyable game for this football team. It's uh, but they're they're, they're going to sque- they're going to squeak this one out. The defense is going to play admirable, and it's going to be forty to twenty in a close one. Very- defense get a safety. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, w- duh. <laughs> okay. Ken Dole Fuller. Well, actually, no. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Do we need this? Harrison Butker missed two extra points. Oh. So the cue up the articles. <laughs> Probably worrying about Harrison Butker in January. Oh, what about January? So Uh, when the Chiefs ultimately lose a game because Butker misses an extra point, you guys know who to blame. Yeah. Blame me, but blame me later. I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you guys so much for listening to this show. Not today, just not just today, but like every time. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you We love you all so much. Yes, we do. We really do. Uh, it's crazy how this thing has grown. So uh, thankful for y'all. Thank you for my pals on this show. We will catch you after Thanksgiving to recap the Chiefs and the Raiders. Catch you later. Enjoy all non-pumpkin pies this week, fellas and ladies.